When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I've been saying for a while... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the most interesting story in the entirety of the NFL. If you'll listen to this program, I have been telling you, you know what? If I have to choose which team to watch of all 32 NFL teams for the first time ever, my selection would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I am so fascinated to see how Tom Brady is going to do with Bruce Arians, what Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will look like with Tom Brady. And that interest level just got ratcheted up to an entirely different level with Rob Gronkowski returning from retirement and the WWE and his 24-7 championship belt that he just won at WrestleMania to the NFL. Now the Bucks have the five best receivers slash tight ends that Tom Brady has ever had to throw to in the entirety of his career. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, and Cameron Brake. That five, those five players are better in terms of being talented and able to get downfield and give Brady options than any options he ever had top to bottom during his career in New England. How much does Tom Brady have left in the tank? How well will that offensive line protect for him? 
because if that offensive line can protect for him, well, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are definitely going to make this playoffs the first time in 12 years. And I also believe that the NFC South is going to be one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting divisions in all of the NFL come this fall. There are certainly reasons to believe that Rob Gronkowski is not going to play that well. Two years ago, his body was beaten up. He didn't have a lot of vim, vigor, and vitality left. And now he's got to put on another 20 pounds or so. He's a lot slimmer. And we'll see how much he has left, how much spring he has left in his step. But I wonder how many teams that didn't go after Tom Brady aggressively would have maybe done so if they had thought about Gronk also coming out of retirement to join him at a $10 million salary. Maybe Gronk's only going to play one more year, but he's going to be 31, still relatively young. He doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense, which I think is going to be a really big deal. And remember, the Patriots don't win their most recent Super Bowl against the Rams if Rob Gronkowski is not there. They don't beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game if Rob Gronkowski is not there. This is a guy who the final two games he played before he retired, he was the difference maker for Tom Brady. And imagine how much space Rob Gronkowski is going to have to work when you think about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both being able to stretch the field in an incredibly massive way. Assuming that O.J. Howard stays, remember last week we talked about on this program, while the Bucs are working on something if O.J. Howard is on the trading blocks. And maybe O.J. Howard still is on the trading blocks. We'll see. But what exactly may happen in Tampa Bay, I can't wait to see now that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski have put the band back together again. And one thing I wonder, is it possible that Julian Edelman ends up out of New England as well? That Belichick just basically clears the deck of Brady guys on his offense? I think Edelman's going to be 35 years old and finds a way to let Edelman go so Julian Edelman can end up down in Tampa Bay as well and give Brady yet another option in an underneath slot receiver? I think that's possible as well. Brady got caught working out in a park in Tampa Bay, but this dude is ready. He's got Rob Gronkowski already in Florida. I would bet these guys are going to be working out together really, really soon if they're not already. This is a heck of a story as the NFL continues to dominate pretty much all of the coronavirus-inspired shutdown. Um, And God bless him. Tomorrow we get the NFL draft. We'll see what Bill Belichick has in mind. Peter King, who we obliterated on the show recently, said that he believes in his column, maybe, maybe the Patriots could be interested in making a play for Tua. We've got the Washington Redskins saying, hey, the number two pick, somebody's talking about it. The Lions at three. There's a lot of drama to think about. Got a lot of drama on the program as well. Joe Burrow 
is going to be on the show. Joel Klatt interviewed him for OutKick. We got deputies doing work for us now. So we'll have Joe Burrow on the show uh, in hour three today. That should be a lot of fun. Um, And uh, things continue to look up in the world of the coronavirus as we hit, I can't even keep up with how many days it is now. I think it's 17 straight days that we have now had fewer cases than we did on April 4th, which was the peak of the coronavirus so far. 17 straight days with lower new daily cases than the record set on April 4th. Pretty clear that we are on the backside descent in the outbreak now. Uh, If you look at the model from the IHME, which is uh, the University of Washington model, we would be about two-thirds of the way through this outbreak. A lot of different states starting to open up. Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, all of those uh, states. Colorado starting to open up as well. Um, Across the country, we are going to see whether or not uh, we can go back to some degree of normalcy via those states. I would imagine Florida will be uh, will be taking that action soon as well. Alabama, basically the SEC, is leading the way out of the uh, out of the coronavirus outbreak. We'll see whether the South is able to get back to normal faster than anywhere else, and if they are, if we are down here able to get back to normal, I think a big reason why will be the weather. It's starting to warm up as we come down the stretch run of April. Anybody who spent time in the South knows May starts to warm up as well. And there's a lot of testing that suggests that the virus, the coronavirus, disappears in terms of its strength and vitality and ability to spread to a large extent. It disappears, it vanishes the potency of this virus as it gets warmer and hotter and more humid. Uh, There's a reason, I think, that the outbreaks so far that have been big in this country have been kind of on the same latitude region. Uh, If you look at Seattle, if you look at Detroit, and if you look at the New York City area, all of those areas kind of cold, kind of damp, and certainly taking place in the winter to early spring. Also an interesting story out of the Bay Area for people who are up late or waking up early in the Bay Area now reports that this thing was spreading in March, sorry, in January, way before they earlier knew community spread, meaning it was out circulating, not from people who were traveling to China. I think it's likely that this thing has been spreading around in California since at least December before people were able to recognize it. Um, But now proven based on testing of people who had died beforehand that the coronavirus was circulating in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, going back as, uh, as, as early as January. So this thing has been here for a while. Um, that certainly factors in to our overall analysis of, uh, of the outbreak, helps to explain how that Stanford study may have found that 4 or 5% of people in the Bay Area already have the antibody which is the same number of people roughly as they found to have the antibody in L.A. So that is the latest on the coronavirus. That is the latest on Gronk. 
uh, as we uh, get ready. Let me bring in the crew. Are you guys now with me that, Danny G, that Tampa Bay is the most interesting team to follow in the entirety of the NFL? Yeah, for sure. It was just a week ago. You mentioned it really quickly that we were talking about there had to be more to the O.J. Howard story. Yeah. We were so right with that because we knew it didn't add up. Perfect target, Howard, is for Brady. Whether or not they keep him now, we're going to find out, uh, especially as we get to the draft tomorrow. The thing that I was thinking about is that we thought Antonio, a lot of people thought Antonio Brown was going to be the package deal with Tom Brady. Instead, it turns out to be Gronk. How upset is A.B.? I wonder if he was privately texting Brady <laughs> yesterday, um, you know, when this news dropped. What what was going through his mind? And then to see the Bucks uh, Vegas odds for their win total go up from 9.5 to 10, it's pretty crazy that Gronk is worth half a game. Yeah, Fox Bet took him from 16 to 1 to 12 to 1. I think that's probably a little bit of an overreaction, but I thought, again, remember the Bucks have had a 12 year playoff drought. I thought that we weren't giving enough respect to Brady and the Bucks already. Uh, AB obviously has a lot of issues off the field, but I wonder whether the teams that considered Brady and decided to not do it, on some level, the Chargers. I mean, imagine how much more interesting the Chargers would be. Congrats to them on the brand new uniforms. You were upset that your Titans didn't pull the trigger. Well, that's right. Uh, And also for the Titans who decided to go all in on Ryan Tannehill, how much more interesting would the Titans be in the offseason if they hadn't only added Tom Brady, if they had added uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski as well? Imagine how much different fans in both L.A. and in Nashville would feel with the addition of Brady plus Gronkowski. Just an interesting angle. Dub, what do you think? I know we've talked a lot about the Bucks, but are you with me that they're the most intriguing team in the entirety of the NFL as we get ready for the draft tomorrow? Things could change, right? I mean, if the Patriots made a big move and went and grabbed Tua, or, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly always a team that looks a lot more enticing and exciting, a couple of them in minimum, coming out of the draft so we'll have to see who makes the moves to uh to to, to sort of supplement their team tomorrow but right now the bucks are the most interesting team in the nfl and and i think that's the truth by a wide margin i i thought that even before this gronkowski news came about i mean you get tom brady leaving the patriots first of all going to tampa bay he's finally got some real weapons probably for the first time in his career i know he had randy moss there for a brief stint but mike evans chris godwin now Rob Gronkowski, it's amazing. He had to be in the league for over 20-plus years to get these kind of weapons around him. And, you know, we all were kind of shocked by Gronkowski's retirement last season. I mean, to me, this this thing has been in the works for over a year, this whole plan to me. This isn't something that just comes about all of a sudden, you know, in a week or so after, you know, Brady signs with Tampa. I, I feel like this was kind of the plan all along. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, too. If you think about Tom Brady aging, going to be 43 years old, uh, what do most people who are aging look to do? They go south. If you have the resources, you end up in the south where the weather's warmer, where your your bones feel better, you're able to get looser instead of it being super cold. You know, you look around the NFC South. Brady's going to have dome games uh, against the, the Saints and against the Falcons. It's unlikely. We don't know the full schedule yet, but by and large, it's not super, super cold in Carolina. That's the division road games. 
and then he's got eight games at home in Tampa Bay. That's 11 games where uh, the weather is going to be pretty good and you can feel very comfortable about it, meaning his pass offense is going to be, you know, the guy was, was great passing the football in New England, even in cold weather. But in general, when you have weather that you can control and you know isn't going to be overwhelming, to have eight weeks at home and then three likely in the NFC South, that's 11 weeks where with all of these offensive weapons, you can sit back and just analyze it and say, hey, you know what? I feel pretty good about our game plan with Bruce Arians, who you know wants to throw the ball all over the field uh, when you consider that 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 Jameis Winston had as many, you know, 5,000, as many big passing games as he did to think about what Brady is going to uh, to be capable of in this offense with these receivers. It really should just be pretty much off the charts, uh, especially when you think about, again, the weather and you knock out any real issues uh, associated with that. Now, Brady's got to go to Chicago. He's got to go to Denver. We don't know what time of the year he's going to be there. So those weather uh, games could be issues. Goes to the Giants, all right? So that could be an issue. But then plays in a dome at Detroit again. So that's 12 games that you feel like there's absolutely no issue at all. And then he's going to be out in Las Vegas. So again, the time of the year that those road games take place can factor in. But I feel pretty good about 12 or 13 of those games where the offense is going to be able to go out and dominate I just think this is an incredible move. What about you, uh, Eddie? Are you with me, Bucks' most interesting team in the NFL? Yeah, I, I would say so. And I mean, from my perspective, obviously, I'm a Steelers fan. You know, till death do we part. But I've always looked around. You know, every year to see if there's a little action on the side I want to kind of check out. And I think Tampa Bay would be that team. There's no. I mean, they're in the NFC. There's no you know, conflict with being a Steeler fan to kind of being interested in the Bucks, And if the Steelers aren't playing and the Bucks are, I definitely will check their games out. Yeah, and look, the, I would think the Bucks, I would think the Bucks are going to be on so many different Sunday night football games, Monday night football, like as much as they can possibly get the Bucks scheduled there, they will. It wouldn't stun me if they decide, for instance, that Detroit game, I would, if, if you're thinking like, oh, what's the schedule? I would be surprised if they didn't make the Lions against the Bucks the Thanksgiving game, right? If you, if we know all the time that the Detroit Lions are the early Thanksgiving game. I would be really surprised if Bucks on the road against the Lions isn't the NFL's Thanksgiving appetizer for everybody out there sitting down with your family. Hopefully, things will be back to normal in in, in many ways by Thanksgiving. But that game, I would be stunned if it's not the Thanksgiving early kickoff game with the entire nation watching. The Bucks further solidify their status as the most interesting team in the entirety of the NFL. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, 
features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Him Sex Shoes and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down it's time to change that start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros that's h-i-m-s.com slash two pros for your personalized ed treatment options hymns.com slash two pros prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply see website for details and important safety information subscription required price varies based on product and subscription plan sex are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. Abundant storylines, of course, for many of you waking up right now. Rob Gronkowski to the New England, from the New England Patriots, out of retirement, being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady is getting the band back together again. Is it possible that Julian Edelman, an aging wide receiver, could end up out of uh, the New England before all is said and done. I think that's possible too. Would the Bucks have room for him as a slot receiver to make Brady even more comfortable? If possible, why not? And we'll see now whether O.J. Howard, who uh, obviously has uh, been 
a bit of an enigma in terms of his production with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about last week the fact that maybe he was on the trade block. It makes sense now because the Bucs have three tight ends who are pretty proven in Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Brait. Could they be able to add another asset for O.J. Howard? We'll see what ends up happening there. Meanwhile, what in the world do the Patriots have planned? We don't know, but what we do know is the quarterback musical chair scenarios has left us with a bunch of dudes standing who are pretty well known but don't really have a destination. Andy Dalton figures to be out very soon from Cincinnati when Joe Burrow is officially announced tomorrow evening. By the way, Joe Burrow going to be on the program with Joel Klatt at the top of hour three about an hour from now. So we've got a scenario there where Andy Dalton's about to be let go and be a free agent. Nobody's talking about the fact that Joe Flacco, who won a Super Bowl, is a free agent. Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. That's four guys at the quarterback position that most everybody out there has a decent opinion of because we've seen them play a lot of games over the years. Four guys that are pretty proven as starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Not necessarily proven in a, oh my God, they're the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen, but they have started a lot of games between the four of them, and they don't really have a destination. So what's going to happen with those four guys now with the draft tomorrow? Tua, Herbert, and Joe Burrow for sure going on Thursday. We'll see what happens probably on Friday. We're going to have Jalen Hurts, uh, Jacob Eason, who we're going to have on the program uh, tomorrow, as well as Jake Fromm. Where are those guys going to go? And what does it mean to the overall depth situation of so many different NFL teams? Are Flacco, Dalton, Cam, and Jameis going to have to sit around and just wait to see whether or not their teams are, uh, are, are whether there's any teams out there that have injuries? Are there some guys that are proven like that foursome that are not going to be able to get gigs going into the new NFL season? I think that's going to be really intriguing to watch. Not as intriguing, by the way, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but at least a storyline worth following as we move ahead. We just talked with Shannon Spake, and I haven't seen... I, I mean, I, I'm curious. I, she sent a bunch of links to talk about the idea of NASCAR coming back. I was surprised. I didn't know NASCAR was that far along that it sounds like the Charlotte race on Memorial Day weekend is very likely to uh, to end up happening. Um, that's uh, roughly a month from now, which would, if you combine that with the PGA and the UFC, which would start to get us a little bit of momentum in terms of sports returning. Did you guys know, Dub, I'll start with, Dub, did you know that NASCAR was that far along in the process? I just didn't. I, I Evidently, I've missed that storyline. That was good news. Uh, if you're out there rooting for sports to return, every time a league comes back, it makes it more likely to me that the next league is also going to come back. Rob Manfred yesterday also said he expected for Major League Baseball to come back. We'll be talking with John Morosi about that in hour three. And now one of the new plans that's being discussed is the idea of playing in Florida, Texas, and Arizona, at least to start the season, being able to use some of the dome stadiums uh, there so that you don't have to worry about rainouts and having multiple games maybe played in the same venues. Uh, Did you know this, Dub, about NASCAR being ready to go potentially by May 24th? Yeah, I had no idea about this news, and it's awesome news, obviously. And, you know, weeks ago we were kind of predicting – 
thinking aloud which sports would be the first ones to come back. Yep. And I think the whole show said the PGA Tour would be one and NASCAR would be the other. Yeah. And those are two of the three, along with the UFC, that have announced kind of hard dates that are set in stone for when they plan to return. And it makes sense for those three to be the leagues because it seems like those three are the ones that could most easily transition into a you know, social distancing type return with the PGA, NASCAR, and UFC. So this is awesome news for sports fan, awesome news for NASCAR and the PGA and UFC as well. Also makes me think again, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL. I think all three of those leagues are going to come back, presuming that the owners and the players want to come back from a business perspective. And I haven't heard anything to suggest that they don't. You might be saying, why wouldn't they want to come back from a business perspective? Well, I think that one of the big reasons why in at Wimbledon and also with the British Open in England – I think one of the big reasons why they decided to shut that down when you really dive into it and look at the data was for a pretty simple reason. It was because it didn't necessarily make sense based on their pandemic uh, insurance for them to come back. They could basically make the same amount of money by not having their event as they could if they had the event. So why take the risk of putting on this big event in late July, early July for Wimbledon, late July for the US, for the British Open? They had insurance to avoid needing to come back. I haven't seen any suggestion that the NHL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball stands to basically make the same amount of money by not coming back. And so I think the economic uh, realities would point towards them returning. Eddie, did you know uh, anything about NASCAR potentially as a May 24th uh, date? I did not, and I have been doing a search uh, on it ever since, and the only thing I see is a uh, report from WRAL, I think that's in Raleigh, North Carolina, that's, that mentions the possibility of it from a couple of days ago. Yeah, Shannon sent me some stuff. It's been written about in local Charlotte news, but for whatever reason, it hasn't really popped, I don't think, on a national level. Um, but that's good news. I mean, that, that is pretty fantastic news in general. Um, and because again, I think as one league comes back, I, the way I described it was whack-a-mole. There is a lot of negativity out there anytime you're trying to do anything in the world of sports. People on social media right now, anytime you do anything, I mean, go look at, God forbid, the mentions of any governor who's deciding, hey, we're going to start to let businesses come back in our state. Social media, Twitter in particular, loses its mind because Twitter has been taken over by fear. Everyone is convinced that everything is, everybody's going to die, right? Like Twitter is the ultimate doom and gloom medium. And so anytime somebody says uh, the governor, for instance, of Georgia or Tennessee or Texas or South Carolina, any of these Southern states that are now starting to sort of stick their head up and say, hey, we got to get our businesses back working here. It's time to see whether or not we can end the stay at home. People pop their heads up and they're like, oh my God. This is the that's that's kind of the voice that I think everybody who complains on social media uses. This is my social media complain voice. Oh my God, we're all gonna die! What are you doing? That's the voice. That's the voice that basically everybody shrieks on social media. <laughs> there's a lot of people out there, and it's wild to me. There's a lot of people out there who have basically bought into the idea that until there's a vaccine, they can't leave their house. I mean, there's a ton of people who are like, oh my God, we're all, oh my God, we're all going to die. No, you're going to be fine, right? The data all reflects. I tweeted this out yesterday. Massachusetts shared the data 
on who is dying from the coronavirus in their state. And it doesn't get a lot of attention because, again, the, the fear porn that's out there, there's lots of people peddling the idea that everybody's going to die. The average age of people dying of the coronavirus in Massachusetts is 81. And 97.5% of the people dying of the coronavirus in Massachusetts have underlying health conditions. Let me repeat that because a lot of people is not getting enough attention. Massachusetts, you can go go to my Twitter feed. You can go read the article yourself if you want to. Uh, at Clay Travis on Twitter, you can follow me there. Massachusetts released all the data on deaths from the coronavirus in their state. Uh, and in the state of Massachusetts, the average age of people dying was 81 years old. And the uh, 97.5% of the people dying had underlying health conditions. Now, I understand we have to protect the elderly and people with underlying health conditions or suppressed immune systems. That's fine. But a lot of us need to go back to work. And the young and the healthy people need to go back to work and be able to help care for the people who are immune suppressed and or elderly. And so if you're young and you're healthy, you don't have a lot of reason based on the data to believe that the coronavirus is going to be very debilitating to you. The death rate from the coronavirus based on these California studies from USC and Stanford is 0.1%. Okay, That means if you get the coronavirus, according to the USC and Stanford uh, judge, uh, judgments, studies, 99.9% of you are going to recover from it. That's roughly the same as the flu. Every year, the seasonal flu kills about 0.1% of people who get the flu. And the overwhelming number of people who die of the flu are the elderly and those with suppressed immune systems. So the coronavirus, according to the studies out of USC and Stanford in the state of California, which just came out in the last week, suggests that the death rate from the coronavirus is nearly identical to the death rate from the flu. That's according to those studies. So, we got to get back to work. And we have to stop this idea, which is starting to take, uh, take root, of, oh, we can't leave our house until we have a vaccine. We don't know when we're going to have a vaccine. Might be a year or more. Probably is. I hope we get it sooner. But we can't stop the world and sit in our houses for a year over a virus that kills 0.1% of all people who get it. 99.9% of us are going to be perfectly fine even if we get this virus. In fact, a huge percentage of you may have already had the virus and not even known you had it because for most people who are young and healthy, it doesn't even reveal itself. And now there's studies out there. They just found somebody died in early February in the Bay Area suggesting that it may well have been circulating certainly in January and maybe as early as December in the state of California. So that's one reason people say, well, how in the world did 5% of people end up getting this coronavirus, 4%, whatever the numbers are uh, in this uh, study from Stanford and USC? Well, I think a lot of people got it in maybe December, but certainly January and February before we were even aware it was out there circulating. I spent a decent time, amount of time in California back around those uh, those time frames. Maybe I got it. It was interesting. 
uh, there's talk that it was circulating at the Super Bowl. May have gotten it down at the Super Bowl and not even know that I had it. So this is, uh, this is a story worth paying attention to. Speaking of a story worth paying attention to, I believe we have time for Animal Thunderdome right now. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. Now, this is pretty wild. There are now, so a lot of restaurants have basically closed. I read this article and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we, we haven't talked about this in the Animal Thunderdome yet. And I know we got it sent to us a ton. But rats got used to living outside of restaurants that were regularly having, you know, garbage, spillover, leftover food. And they got fat and happy based on the way they were living. But now with many restaurants shutting down and with the overall amount of garbage on decline, we have legitimate rat battles to the death. Not rap battles, R-A-T battles. Rats are fighting each other to the death all over this country. Yeah, cannibalism. They could even eat their young. They eat their babies. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that there is such thing as an urban rodentologist? No. Hell of a job. It's an actual title that Bobby Corrigan has. He told NBC. Billy Corrigan? It says Bobby Corrigan. Is that, yeah, right. Is that <laughs> Billy Corrigan's brother? I don't know. From Smashing Pumpkins, right? <laughs> uh, One guy goes and founds a hugely successful rock band. Yeah. The other guy becomes a rat expert. I wonder if he has a big bald head as well. Yeah. But he says. Is he still alive, Billy Corrigan? Yes. Okay, good. He says uh, it's going to cause situations just like we've seen in the history of mankind where people try to take over lands and they come in with militaries and armies and fight to the death, literally, for who's going to conquer the earth. And that's what's happening with rats. The um, phenomenon's already happening in New Orleans where shortly after the social distancing measures were announced, a video of rats running through the streets went viral. The city's mayor, LaToya Cantrell, said... What we have seen in these practices are driving our rodents crazy. And what rodents do, they will find food and they will find water. That puts our streets homeless in dire, dire straits. Some cities are planning drastic measures uh, like Washington, D.C. The mayor there uh, says that he just designated pest control workers as essential. Corrigan told the BBC that seeing more rats around isn't a sign that they're going to come into your house. The cities do need to take preventative measures right now where's the rat battle i don't care about what cities are doing i want to know who's throwing down <laughs> you want to know what colors and what uh i mean i want to know is this worn? like is this like a gang fight uh is this like splinter is finally uh <laughs> you know back in the day the teenage mutant ninja turtles like do they have rat generals are there people who lead the battles i want to know more about the rat battle less about what they're doing we need bobby corrigan on the show yeah that's a good idea I bet yeah. you could find him. I'm going to make a note of that right now. We need to get the rat impresario on to talk about these battles to death. What I read was that the rats will fight and that the the winning rat, the victorious team, will eat the babies of the opposing side. That is rat hanging on the rim. That's a reality show I would actually watch. Not only are the rats winning the battle, they are hanging on the rim and eating the babies of the other rats. <laughs> I mean, 
By the way, how great was that Scottie Pippen? I want I want the story behind the Scottie Pippen dunk on Patrick Ewing. Maybe the greatest dunk of all time. The rats eating the babies. That's hanging on the rim, dunking as well. By the way, do you think when New Yorkers saw the story and read it, they just kind of chuckle? I mean, they're so used to rats the size will, of raccoons. I will tell you this. I, I So I went to school, on the college on the East Coast. And I may have said this on the program before, but anybody who spent time in Washington, D.C., there are monster rats in Washington, D.C. And when you are, when I was in college, like you would be out walking, you know, you're a college kid, you're up late and there aren't that many people on the roads and the rats are nocturnal. So they're out moving around a lot at night. I mean, there were times where like you would come face to face with a rat and like the rat would be like, bitch, you better get in that street and start walking. I'm not coming off this sidewalk. <laughs> like, I mean, the rats would literally like bow up and stare you down. Like I, I remember legitimately being terrified. Like you're walking around and you hear rustling over in the uh, over in the undergrowth, and then like you suddenly come around a corner and there's like this. I mean, a rat. Like I mean, like a like a cat-sized rat, like a big old fat rat, like angrily just like stare you down. Like I remember seeing rats so big in D.C. when I was in college that late at night you'd be. I mean, I'm not kidding. You would step off of the sidewalk and let the rat have the sidewalk and be like, I'll just risk it in the road. <laughs> I mean, that is that is, I mean, th- these rats, they won't even run from you. They're like, hey, if we got to go, we'll go. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't know if I'll win this fight with this rat. I mean, I know I'm bigger than this rat, but this rat has a lot more on the line. I mean, they are huge, like cats. You hear them like rustling around. I mean, it's not like, you know, small rats. So, yeah, in D.C., uh, these rat battles, I mean, like, I'd be nervous to watch this thing. Seriously. There's the people right now who know what I'm talking about. Like, you always hear about rats in New York City. My experience, rats in D.C. were worse. I spent time in both cities. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. A lot going on out there as we begin uh, the Wednesday edition of the program. Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. He's a WWE 24-7 champion. And he is now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, having joined Tom Brady. And this is going to be absolutely phenomenal to see how that duo is able to work their magic. Tom Brady now with the five best receivers and tight ends that I believe he's ever had in his career. Got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, maybe the best wide receiving duo right now in the entirety of the NFL. And now you might have the best tight ends in the NFL too. And O.J. Howard in Rob Gronkowski and in Cameron Brait, all three of whom have been wildly productive, relatively speaking. I know Cameron Brait is still a guy that a lot of people don't know, uh, but he was uh, very productive for Jameis Winston. Certainly, Rob Gronkowski is a Hall of Famer, and O.J. Howard was a first-round draft pick. All five of those playmakers for Tom Brady, if they can protect him, this is an offense that threw for 5,000 yards last year for Bruce Arians under Jameis Winston you would think that Tom Brady is going to be quite prolific in this offense. So that is worth uh, paying a lot of attention to. We got the NFL draft tomorrow. We're about to be joined by Joel Klatt, who interviewed uh, Joe Burrow, and we're going to play that interview for you. He's doing work for OutKick, so we're going to play that for you in a little bit. But also a lot of optimism in the world of sports about sports coming back. If you are just waking up on the West Coast, as many of you are, we had Shannon Spake on uh, in hour number one. She talked about the fact that NASCAR is preparing to resume 
uh, their season with an event in Charlotte on uh, Memorial Day weekend. So we've got the PGA coming back on June 11th. We have uh, the UFC trying to come back on May 9th. And now we have NASCAR potentially coming back on May 24th with a run with a race in Charlotte, which is the home base of NASCAR effectively. Also, continuing to get good data out there on the coronavirus, things moving in a good direction there in terms of things becoming better. Uh, On Tuesday, the United States posted its 17th straight day of lower new daily cases than the peak that was set on April 4th. Pretty clear if you look at the charts that we're on the backside descent of the outbreak now and that as we move into May, much of the coronavirus outbreak in this country is going to be vanishing uh, because we are through the worst of things in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. It appears that the worst is passed now in uh, the state of Michigan and everything is in good shape it appears in New Orleans as it is getting warmer the number of new cases is diminishing as often occurred with the flu there is an interesting story that is out there for those of you waking up in California saying now that in the Bay Area they believe they had they don't believe they know they had early February deaths from the coronavirus meaning this thing was circulating uh, in the community in January. This is somebody who died who got the coronavirus in the United States, not somebody who got it in China. So we now know this thing was circulating at least at a decent degree in January in California, in the Bay Area. This could help to explain how almost 1 in 20 people in California, based on the San Francisco and the LA survey, have already had the coronavirus. They have the antibodies from the coronavirus in their blood. Uh, That is an interesting story in terms of the origination story of where this virus commenced. It makes sense that given the number of people flying back and forth between China and California before the border was shut down, at the end of uh, at the end of January, before the flights to uh, to China were shut down, that some people got into California with this virus and that it had started to circulate. What we don't know is when was patient zero, right? When did the very first uh, exposure and transmission of this virus occur in a community aspect in the United States? We're not sure, but California continues to push back the or- origin date. And we are now into January. It's possible this thing started circulating in December in California. We just don't know. But that is a story that is certainly worth uh, following in general. So much to discuss there. Again, very positive news as the coronavirus continues to decline. I know a lot of you are excited for the NFL draft. I am one of you. Uh, one of many people who is going to be excited to sit down on the couch and watch the NFL draft tomorrow. And the expectations are the first overall pick will be Joe Burrow. And uh, our buddy Joel Klatt, who comes on the show pretty regularly, especially during football season, uh, well, he had an opportunity to sit down with the number one overall pick, the presumptive overall number one pick, Joe Burrow. 
we're able to share that conversation with you right now. And Joel started off by asking Joe Burrow about what he's been doing over the last six weeks in order to stay in shape and stay sharp. And, you know, a lot of a lot of Zoom and Skype meetings with with teams. Um, in, in a lot of ways, there's been less distractions for me um, as far as getting my body ready to play a season. Um, you know, you're not flying all over the country for draft visits and um, missing workout days because of that. So I've really been focused on, you know, weight training. I've been finding places around around town to get some throwing in. So I've been, you know, got a got a good routine going, and I've been having a good time. So often, the the cases with with athletes, in particular at your level, is that this is a time for reflection and to try to improve an aspect of your game that you feel like needs further development. So as you're working now, whether it's physically on your body or even on your game on the field, what aspect of your game do you feel like needs further development? You know, I think one thing you can always improve is, is your arm strength. And that comes with weight training and sequencing of your lower and upper bodies. But um, one thing that I've really been focused on is, um, making off-platform situations on-platform situations, meaning like scrambling outside the pocket or, or stepping up in the pocket and you're having to move your feet um, to an uncomfortable situation, getting back to normal feet to make those throws with velocity and accuracy. Uh, I think the more you can do that, the better you're going to be. And then also there's going to be times where you can't get your feet set. Um, and I've been working really hard on that to make those off-platform situations the same result as they would have been if they were on-platform. Joe, you had such an incredible journey, right, from high school to ultimately winning the Heisman Trophy in the national championship last year. Uh, but but you did it through a lot of hard work and, and development, and in particular – your ability to be a, a great leader. What was the biggest leadership takeaway from your experience when you transferred from Ohio State to LSU and trying to build a culture there that would ultimately culminate in a national championship? Yeah, you know, I, I had done it in high school. You know, I was a leader in my team there, but I, I really wasn't at Ohio State, so I had, didn't have a lot of practice doing it at the college level, you know, tough to be a leader when you're sitting on the bench the whole game. Um, so I really thought long and hard about how I wanted to go about it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that that I tried to do my first summer there was players on the team were putting in extra work watching film. They were going to see me there. And so I was there all day, you know, whether I got through all the film or not, um, just eating lunch, hanging out, um, building relationships with coaches and, te- and and players that, that were coming through. I think it really resonated through the team. Um, and I also tried to show that you know, I wasn't this prima donna quarterback. I was going to take hits. I wasn't going to slide. I was going to fight for that extra yard, whether that was smart or not. You know, um, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to have this 20-year 15-year NFL career, I'm going to try to be the best player I can be for this team um, and show that I have what it, what it takes to 
do what we wanted to do. To that point, Joe, I want to go back to your first year playing at LSU. You guys are in the Fiesta Bowl. You're facing an undefeated Central Florida team, UCF. You threw an interception that wound up being a pick six and took a pretty devastating block during that play. You bounced right back up to your point about taking a hit and coming right back, and you led LSU to a victory in that ball game. Um, I've pointed to that from the outside looking in as a real turning point for your time there with the Tigers. Uh, would you concur with that? And, and does that go in line with what you were just talking about, about your leadership style? You know, I think that was, I wouldn't say it was the turning point, but I would say it propelled us into the off season and gave us a lot of confidence in what we're going to do the next year. Um, you know, I think a couple games before, we, we we played Rice. We were coming off the twenty nine nothing against Alabama, and you know, we played well on offense. First three hundred yard game, but it was Rice. And then we went to, we go to Texas A and M, have that seven overtime game. Um, but we played really well on offense. You know, I had hundred yards rushing, threw for almost three hundred, and I think that really gave me the confidence going into that bowl game. To that, that I in my head was saying, you know, I could do this. I can do exactly what I did in high school at this level. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year when you don't play for three years in practice, if you're about to get sacked, throw the ball away, right? I mean, it's – you don't want to – coach doesn't really let you extend plays like that because he just doesn't want to get the quarterback hit or wants to, you know, let the defense know he had a sack. So that's what I did for three years. That's what I did for half half the year at LSU. And then, you know, those last couple games, I remembered, hey, I can – scramble around and make plays. That's what you know. I'm, I've, I've always been really good at. So I started doing that a little more and then um, had, had the game against UCF and then into the offseason. We, we really worked hard on that. Joe, your whole career, as I mentioned before, you've had to fight for your seat, you know, and, and sometimes it didn't go your way and, and, and sometimes it did. And you've had to fight uh, that and have that drive, you know, to propel you to, to the position that you're in. And now – Conversely, you're in a position where you're somewhat the anointed one as, you know, the presumptive number one pick. Is it odd for you to be in this position and to feel this amount of momentum behind you, or is it something that you have pictured, dreamt of, and prepared for? It's definitely something that I dreamt of and have worked really, really hard for. Um, I still still haven't done anything yet at the next level, you know, when other – you get to the team, it doesn't matter where you're picked. Um, and there's still people that, that are doubting me. I still hear them. I still hear them. Um, you know, they're still out there, and I still take little mental notes about them. So it's it's always going to be something that's there in the back of my mind, and I'm going to continue to work the way I worked to get me to this, to this point. Joe, what type of leader and quarterback – is the NFL franchise that drafts you getting? You know, I think they're getting a fighter, um, a guy that's going to refuse to lose. You know, that's something that I've always prided myself on is that when, when the game is on the line, I want the ball in my hands, whether it's football, basketball, baseball. It doesn't matter. That's that's always how I've felt. It's balls in my hands with the, with the game on the line. We're going to have a good chance to win. 
Joe, our conversation today uh, is in large part due to a great partnership that you have with Lowe's. And you partnered with Lowe's during this NFL Draft Week to make some really important calls to Lowe's associates in your hometown of Athens, Ohio. Uh, and those people have really stepped up to serve the community when it's needed most. Uh, it, it, tell us about that partnership. Yeah, it's been it's been great. And I had some very fulfilling phone calls with with a few very dedicated workers that have been very committed to their jobs. Um helping run this community through this pandemic and through this quarantine. And there's some unbelievable people that I got to talk to that really brightened my day. And I just wanted to show them my gratitude to them for, for all that they're doing right now. And it's unbelievable, you know, what some of these people are doing. There's a story of this gentleman that, you know, helped this deaf woman that came into the store and calmed her down and communicated with her and found out that she was having heart problems and called the paramedics and, and helped save her life. So those are the kind of people that I was talking to and it was very fulfilling to me and I just wanted to, to give back any way that I could. So we invited them to to come to one of my games this year. And that was seeing the brightness on their face really made my day and I I just want to give back to the community that gave so much to me. Well, it's a tremendous partnership. Lowe's is an official home improvement sponsor of the NFL. Joe, we appreciate your time, man. It was an absolute pleasure watching you play for LSU and even during your time at Ohio State because I was covering you then as well. But best of luck moving forward. Can't wait to see which team you land to. Uh, a lot of people speculate, me included, that that'll be right at the top of the draft. So uh, congratulations, number one, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Joined now by John Morosi here in the Geico Outkick Studios. He is our Major League Baseball insider. John, last week when we talked to you, we were talking about different plans. Now there seems to be a new plan. First of all, thanks for getting up early with us. Second, uh, when you look at Florida, Texas, and Arizona as potential locations for Major League Baseball, uh, with domes there also uh, to, to be used, potentially multiple domes in, uh, in states in Texas and in Florida, do you think this is a viable plan? Do you think it's the most likely plan that will be embraced by Major League Baseball? Good morning, Clay. Uh, it certainly can be viable from my perspective. Uh, I think that they're still with MLB in a process of having a lot of ideas come together and then testing the viability of them in real time as the circumstances evolve. Uh, there was a report from Jeff Passan yesterday that uh, Commissioner Manfred had indicated uh, to a lot of staffers at MLB that he is optimistic uh, about playing at some point in time this year. So that certainly is is great news. Uh, but it's certainly now a matter of, of just kind of seeing where geographically and timing-wise it's most feasible to play. Uh, and I think the other component of it, and I heard Carlos Correa uh, make some comments to Marley Rivera this week as well about this, and, and realizing that the initial idea that was mentioned about the full quarantine in Arizona and everybody in Arizona and, and nobody uh, really being able to, to see their families during that particular time would be difficult, but that there's maybe some optimism that if there are other ways to do it, uh, whether it's the Florida-Arizona plan or, or the multi-state plan that you alluded to, Clay, that uh, the, the more, uh, maybe the more geographically diverse the plan becomes and the, and the closer to home, therefore, the players uh, and teams can be, the more palatable it, w- it will likely be to the players. So uh, I think now it's just a matter of, of waiting and seeing where uh, the different uh, curves 
flow because I, I think we're seeing that right now. I, I believe the University of Washington projection for for Arizona um, has their peak arriving a little bit later in the summer uh, than, or at least later in the late spring, I should say, than other states. So I think that that could, in some way, uh, perhaps complicate the Arizona portion of it, where maybe other parts of the country may actually be a little uh, a little more amenable to having games there, uh, perhaps ahead of time uh, relative to Arizona. We're talking to John Morosi. Appreciate him hanging out with us. Uh, do you think that there is a preference to be first back or a preference to be last back among the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA? The reason why I ask that question is the, the PGA has said, hey, we're coming back on June 11th. NASCAR seems to be projecting a return of May 24th. The UFC wants to do May 9th. All three of those sports obviously very different than your traditional team sports, stick and ball uh, type sports like the NBA uh, and uh, the NHL and uh, Major League Baseball. But do you think they all kind of shut down at the same time? Do you think there's any desire to be first back or do you think every league would prefer to be last back? It's a great question, Clay. I think that certainly the circumstances are unique to each sport. Uh, first and foremost, I, I do think it's important to note that the commissioner has said that their MLB is not going to come back until there's uh, very good assurances from, from a public health standpoint that it's going to be safe to do so and that being able to bring the sport back is not going to compromise the uh, the overall health infrastructure as it relates to testing for the population at large. So I think that's the number one consideration, first and foremost. And then the order of return is is very secondary to that. But I, I do think among all the options here, Clay, that, that baseball has its daily rhythm and that because of that, it has a very powerful effect in a time like this where we all, and we're now, depending on where you live in the country, you know, five weeks, six weeks, a month into this uh, of a very new normal, and you start to, to think, what would give my days a little more consistency and a little more light? And I would say, Clay, that having your hometown team on TV every night at 7 o'clock would be incredibly comforting, uh, an incredibly joyful part of our day to share that together. And so I think for that reason, baseball has a very unique contribution to make uh, because it's your team that plays every day. And so for baseball, the other dynamic that is unique is the NBA and NHL are trying to find a, a somewhat narrow time span during the summer in which they could complete their playoff in a modified format, more than likely. Whereas baseball is looking at the long run and and where the different exit ramps are for the playoffs as you get toward the fall. When candidly, we don't know if there's going to be a second spike in cases. So I think for baseball, it's as we alluded to last week, Clay. There there is that I believe that virtue, and if you've got a three month season to play in the summertime and you got to go away again in the fall, uh, and that's the best you can do. Hey, do the best you can and and, and give us three months of the national pastime and then seed the stage if you have to. Uh, but, but I think in general, the, there's a lot of imagination going on to what a baseball season could look like, how long it can go. And I think that that, that dynamic look at the next four, five, six, seven months is, is part of that uh, situation baseball's looking at right now. Where do you think the time frame is for baseball? Like In an ideal world, we know that baseball is going to need you know three weeks, four weeks still of additional spring training. Uh, in, in, in order to be ready to go and how exactly that would take place, where that would take place. I mean, increasingly, I'm wondering, I don't know about you, but John, but 
why they couldn't just go back to the existing facilities they all have already in Florida and in uh, Arizona. It seems like that would be a little bit more of a sense of normalcy for every team uh, to be able to just go there as opposed to going to a random place to try to train. Although I'm sure these guys, uh, given the you know sort of peripatetic uh, existence, to drop a word there, uh, of, uh, of baseball players in general, they're kind of everywhere. So I would think they'd be comfortable getting prepared to play the season no matter what what but in general what's the time frame here are we talking about hey uh you know in mid-may they may decide to get back together do you agree that it would take about a month in order for them to get back to baseball playing shape particularly the pitchers uh what's the time frame from we want to do this to we can play a game that counts yeah excellent question clay on, on that timing because training camp for for baseball spring training, and obviously it's going to be late spring or summer training uh, here, depending on uh, when things actually begin. But I, I, I'm a believer that it's going to take probably three to three to four weeks of that training portion before you can start to play meaningful games. I think the absolute earliest, and this is just my own educated guess on this, I and mean, the absolute earliest that you could begin to resume some workouts is probably sometime in the second half of next month. Um, and then that maybe would allow you to, to have some games that, that start to, to matter in June. Uh, and that, that seems to ma- match up with, with some of the best-case scenarios that you're seeing there out there as you related to with the, the PGA and, and NASCAR uh, and the UFC. So I, I, I think that it's going to be several weeks of, of training uh, before you can play a, a meaningful game. And I also think you, you look at what's happening right now in Korea, where uh, this week there was some really great news uh, for, for the sport that you're going to see regular season games next month. Uh, We're already seeing spring training style games for them in Korea. And just based on the geography of Korea, the the trips are relatively short. So uh, it's probably approximating what you would see if you had the clusters in Houston and Dallas or Tampa and Miami or or the Phoenix area and somewhat close proximity. Uh, We're seeing that play out right now. It's certainly in in Korea, there's a lot of testing relative in terms of the percentage of the population that can get tested. Uh, They're ahead of where we are right now. Uh, And it was interesting just to read some of the reporting about uh, umpires wearing masks and and team officials wearing masks. Uh, I saw the, the report that Hank Conger told uh, uh, Jeff Passan as well in recent days, or actually had told Joel Sherman, that, uh, that there's, they're bringing masks to the ballpark. But then once you get to the clubhouse and then, then on the field, those, those players start to feel a little sense of normalcy once you're actually on the field of play because in many cases the players themselves are not wearing masks. So it's, there are little threads of normalcy, Clay, that we're seeing right now in Korea, and I think it's probably a good thing to just kind of follow the events over there, and then that'll probably be a bit of a lead time for us, maybe a month or three weeks behind schedule of what they're doing, of what our season could look like here in the States. How much is the business factor in? And by that I mean a huge part of the revenue that's produced by Major League Baseball comes from playing the games in front of a live crowd. This isn't a stunner, but baseball has so many more games than every other sport that the revenue produced by home crowds, and as you mentioned, baseball's entire season being impacted as opposed to the NBA or the NHL, which already got a substantial component of their home crowd games in. How do players and owners come to a resolution about what salaries look like in what may well be an abbreviated season in front of, at least initially, almost no fans. Well, it's a very good point about the fact that uh, that revenue stream, which has been reported at around 40% of the game, uh, of the game's revenues, uh, just simply won't exist for the foreseeable future. And, and we're not sure what that means later on in the season, but it seems like 
certainly initially it's going to be no fans in the ballpark. And so without 40% of your revenue, it, it stands to reason there's going to have to be some adjustment on the, on the salary side for the players. Uh, I don't know where that discussion is going to go. I think there's a lot still to be determined on that, and, and it does seem that certainly executives around the game and, and the suspension of the uniform or the, uh, the, the official player contract or the official non-playing contract, I, I should say, uh, that is uh, for the executives. There is uh, reported the, that that will be suspended here uh, as of the first of May. So th- there's already been some uh, some talk about what those salaries could look like in terms of some reductions in certain areas of the game uh, coming up in the, as early as the next ten days or so. So I, I think for, from that standpoint, it, it does set the stage for there to be another a second conversation with the players about where those revenues are going. And I, I do think there's that shared sense of purpose uh, that when you when you consider where things are going, it is a reasonable conclusion to draw that, that if you're if 40% of your revenue is missing that you're probably not going to be able to afford the same level of expenses being paid out on the other side and and so my, my hope and expectation is that there'd be a second conversation about that but I think those details Clay are still very much TBD and may in fact pertain to what the hope is for the second half of the season or at least the middle third of the season in terms of if there may be the potential for having fans in the stands but frankly that is a medical question that we are still uh, I think uh, weeks and maybe even months away from answering uh, that one way or the other. How many games do we think that a season would be played in the regular season? And I know there was a lot of talk about expanding the postseason. Is there any way that Major League Baseball would decide to expand the postseason to help make up for the fact that this was a shorter season? Or do you think it would be business as usual in the postseason with a shorter regular season? I think it's almost certain, Clay, that, that uh, if, the, if we see a postseason this year in 2020, that it's going to look different uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the, the number of games this year will almost certainly not be 162. Uh, MLB has already thought and, and had discussions long before uh, the pandemic about what the future playoff structure could look like and how many teams could make it. Uh, different numbers have been floated. Maybe six or seven teams would start making the, the, the playoffs in, in that way. So there's a lot of different uh, possibilities about how this playoff could look. But also, when you think about it, Clay, the, the more you expand the playoffs, those are – High revenue games, uh, high attendance games, and high when when fans can go, of course, but also high ratings uh, games in terms of the broadcasting. So if you're able to add in another couple weeks of the playoffs, uh, those are marquee viewership nights that deliver big revenues, and, and I think it makes a lot of sense from a business perspective to add in those those games. So uh, I think the playoffs are going to be a potentially a, a very uh, hopefully lucrative part of the season, but again, that has to be decided much further down the line about what the structure can look like and how, uh, how much time the public health folks believe there is uh, to complete that, that portion of the year, likely at a neutral site. So, so many details out there, as, as Stan Kasten said uh, in a radio interview recently, that we probably know about 1% of what's actually been discussed here publicly. So there's a lot of unknowns right now. And, and, uh, but, I, but I do think that the, the overall headline here that's important to mention is that there was some, uh, reportedly some optimism that we're going to play this year, and that's, and that's great. And now we've had to wait and see what is feasible from a public health standpoint and where and when and all those different details. But I, I do think that overall, Clay, uh, things are in a better place now as it pertains to playing baseball than they were probably two weeks ago. That's awesome news. John Morosi. last question for you. Let's presume we play. Is anybody any different in terms of, uh, of expected outcome for the baseball team since we would have talked back in March expecting for things to start in April? In other words... 
are the the Yankees and the Dodgers still the presumptively much better teams than everybody else or is there somebody who benefits or somebody who loses out in a big way based on the way that things have shaken out with the the, the start of this season potentially being totally different than ever before well, I think it certainly enhances the unpredictability, Clay, of the of the season. That when you uh, when you have things proceeding as you would expect, uh, the favorites probably have the best chance. And when when the model changes, when it becomes a ninety game or a hundred game season, to just mention two possibilities, uh, then all of a sudden there is there is the expectation of of variance and unpredictability. And so I think in general. It is not as good for the teams that were favored because this is an unprecedented time and we're not sure how anybody's going to respond to it. Uh, the, the second part is I, I, I just think that one of the, one of the greater storylines of the season, depending on you know, certainly if we play, is Mookie Betts and the Dodgers. And yeah. uh, you know, Mookie getting traded there, of course, as you know, a, a great native of Nashville and phenomenal person. Uh, Mookie getting over there to the Dodgers, uh, you know, when you consider where things are and, and only having one year left before free agency, there's just so much pressure on the Dodgers and Mookie to make the most of this one year. Uh, is there a different way they can maybe renegotiate the contract and change things up for, for next year and maybe have an extension uh, as almost a, a make good? Who knows? Uh, is it, there's just so many questions on that, but uh, it is very much a unique case that you trade for a player, and by virtue of the agreement that happened a month or so ago, Clay, there's no promise that he'll ever play a game for the Dodgers. So I think that, that team and that player, number one, uh, will be at the forefront of everybody's mind. Even more so, I think, than the, the players that signed the large contracts last winter, like a Rendon with the Angels or Cole with the Yankees. Mookie and the Dodgers, because it's one year all in with all this uncertainty, I think he becomes probably the most compelling player in baseball to watch this year. Outstanding stuff as always. He's John Morosi, J-O-N-M-O-R-O-S-I. Go follow him there, and uh, we appreciate him coming on this morning. Thanks, my man. I always love the conversations. All the best to your family as well. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly auto parts infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now.